hello and warmly welcome to 64 episode of SAP on Azure YouTube channel uh, today with Robert and Holger. We're talking anything related to SAP on Azure. Um, today we have some new kids on the blog, Constanti and some old kid on the blog, Evren. We, we were seeing him in the past, right? It was one of thrill, thrilling session. Uh, they prepare one very interesting topic related to uh, DNS part, the naming resolution on the, on the Azure and actually created one very interesting and nice um, white paper. Um, so we will go into a deep dive uh, with two of them. But anyway, like always, uh, let's let's check uh, the latest news, what was happening uh, actually during the week. And actually it's not extremely much, but I would say it also, a few really interesting uh, stuff. So one was, uh, you know, on a SAP, there's an open SAP learning platform is for free, offering uh, different free courses, online courses. So this one is basically uh, related to building application on sub BTP business technology platform, of course, on the Microsoft services. Uh, SAP guy pl plus Holger. So that's that's the Holger most beloved topic, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and I will make sure that Holger is highly available somehow, right? <laughs> In the background. Uh, from November 10th to December 16th, so it will go basically uh, through the five weeks, even actually having some fi final exam. It is a more for developers and also on the BTP business technology platform. But again, related, I haven't checked. I mean, let's see, it will be interesting to know the details. I just saw some announcement here, but definitely warmly welcome. And um, it's it's a free session, so why not to use it, right? Um, another, to another topic, um, probably this was not, not the newest um, uh, blog, on the micro SAP on Azure part, the Cameron, he's the veteran on, on the SAP on Azure, he wrote it. I really feel it kind of need a little bit to emphasize it because I see from time to time kind of similar issues. Um, it is a basically related to the uh, clustering part uh, where uh, either if you would use Windows cluster and cluster the SQL server uh, on the Windows cluster or maybe HANA on Linux with the pacemaker. And what would happen is actually that from time to, you would use uh, a load balancer here. And what you would see kind of at least on the Windows part, for example, errors talking connection forcibly closed. So the connection between the app server and database would be cutted uh, or something called TCP set or, uh, or this uh, 154 um, error code, so if I would go to NetHelp message, basically says an existing connection is forcibly closed by the removed hosts, right? On the Linux part, typically you would see something uh, number 104 uh, OS message connection reset by peer. Um, the stories, what you could get it here is typically Azure load balance uh, here has some kind of timeout of 30 minutes and you have some keep alive parameter to prevent this timeout. If you don't, if you did not properly configure it, you could see those issues. However, in this specific very case, the reason is even if you configure <coughs> everything properly, but you use a standard load balancer, you need to use an HA ports. Um, and uh, the reason is basically you will not see this on a basic load balancer, but in a standard load balancer, which you would need uh, in the zones, for example, which, which is enhanced. 
but you should use the HA ports, you know. So if you don't have it, even if you properly configure it, you would see those kind of um, breaking connection, which would have some implication on, on, on the application part. Even there is uh, some uh, uh, SAP note uh, available. I've seen those issues just also recently, so I thought it's always good to remind people, um, yeah, if you see something similar, it's just about basically configuration. The SAP documentation is properly done, so um, feel free also to, to follow it. It's, it's correctly mentioned, basically everything, right? Now, having said that, we are switching to the main topic and actually to the white paper uh, related to SAP on Azure DNS integration white, uh, white paper, again, worked uh, uh, or produced by Constantine and Evren. Guys, I mean, Evren is an old guy, old kid on the blog, and Constantine is the new kid on the blog. Please um, introduce yourself to the, <laughs> to, to the audience. Thank you very much, Tim. Yeah, thank, first of all, thanks for having us today. Yeah, as a new kid, I would like to start. <laughs> My name sure. is Konstantin Popov. I'm a senior technology specialist for SAP on Azure, and I joined Microsoft in May last year, and uh, actually looking forward for strategic customer engagements in EMEA South region. Uh, prior to Microsoft, I was at SAP working as a cloud architect for SAP HANA Enterprise Cloud. Cool. So, you know, having a clue about the cross-system integration and cross-cloud ah, cross okay. communication, so therefore, that was one of the motivating points to actually start writing this white paper. Right. Yeah, okay. once again, cool. thanks for inviting me and uh, happy to be here and presenting with my friend and colleague, Evren. So Evren, why don't you go and introduce yourself? Thank you. Old kid in the block, Evren Bayrak. I'm happy to be back, uh, Goran and Holger. <laughs> um, uh, Holger, Robert, Holger is not here. Robert, Boban, Goran. So I also want to just say hi to is just you know convey my message to Holger. I'm sure he's going to be watching this later. Yeah, I'm yeah, very yeah. happy to be back. Um, so this is very exciting for us because uh, Constantin and I were exchanging thoughts about uh, the overall DNS topic. Is this actually has been brought up by many partners and customers? So we decided to write something which will be actually effective and be used by partners and customers. So basically, mm -hmm. when we start to articulate the scenarios and what exactly Azure DNS is simplified, and then we're going to go a little bit deeper dive into the Azure DNS, and then hopefully at the end of this session, we're going to actually be providing the audience with the, mm -hmm. the right concise information which they can use on a day-to-day -day basis in their day-to-day -day work going forward. So I'm very happy to be here. Thank you guys very much for inviting me and Constantine. We are so happy to be here. Excellent. Uh, Constantine, I have one question yeah. because I, I assume that you wrote that document by yourself because it's only 13 pages, you know, because when you ask everyone for something, he always liked to explain everything in tiny detail. Yeah, so, all right. <laughs> Um, you're, you're almost spot on, actually, but no, so that was the shared work, so we, we collaborated with everyone, and uh, yeah, if you if you would have followed uh, the most uh, descriptive approach, like everyone always has, so then it would have been 130 pages, not 13, <laughs> and that's, that's true, but yeah, so as we mentioned, we wanted to make it quite consumable con for the audience, for partners and customers, so just to really make them 
all this essence like we could. Yeah, and then DNS topic is one of important topics, right? The naming resolution has to work properly, right? And there are different possibilities what you can do, right? Depending on the needs. So I've seen you went really in a deep dive discussion, discussing a different scenarios, right? And and also it really complements the overall uh, zero trust security for SAP, the coverage that we done a couple months ago. And uh, so now, if if the audience is really combining those two presentations, it is going to be giving them really good content to actually really understand what Azure is, how SAP runs on Azure, and then what the scenarios are to piece things together. So that's going to be very um, crucial for the audience today. Uh, cool. One question, are we planning to, let's say, implement in Azure Sentinel what we learned from your documentation, from your uh, white paper? You know, to, to be yeah. aware that we have a monitoring option to uh, to control, is everything done properly? Exactly. So basically, when we are looking at Azure Sentinel, like there was actually one question that I got from Azure um, Worldwide Triage, which I'm a member of. And then the question was on the audits using Azure Sentinel, mm -hmm. for example. So mm -hmm. when we are looking at the Sentinel, we're going to need to look at the overall connectors because whatever mm -hmm. we're going to be connecting and exporting, and it is going to be actually just giving the view to the audience. Basically, DNS, when we are looking at the overall, like the, the topic DNS, when we are defining the zone premises DNS service in Azure Virtual Network DNS server configuration, then we are considering this <clears throat> facts. I'm sorry to uh, to actually you know make sure that site-to-site -site VPN or express route is enabled. Correct, when we are yeah. supporting and defining the on-premise DNS service in virtual network, and we do it on the network level or VM level. So mm -hmm. any VM or any other connected Azure resources like Azure Sentinel can resolve the DNS names by using mm -hmm. the on-premises DNS service. Mm -hmm. yeah, Basically, yeah. by, by the time that the customer actually just deploys Azure Sentinel, use the connectors like the Azure Active Directory locks, for example, as mm -hmm. the connector, this is going to be giving the audience a fantastic, not the audience, the customers, of course, our customers and you know the technical people are watching us right now. Anybody can actually just test out the Azure Sentinel when you are looking at exporting the alerts mm -hmm. into mm -hmm. the Azure Security Center and having the view is going to be the overall beauty of the SIEM solution that customers can actually just enable and onboard on Azure. So, and it is integrated into Azure Monitor, Azure Firewall, which is actually the technology, our past service, it scales automatically. It also provides high availability automatically mm -hmm. using the, the VMSs underneath and then the standard load balances in front of them. And then we are looking at the overall picture when we actually just get started with the slides, it is going to give what we have done. We have actually just captured this DNS topic with the DMZ, cloud DMZ, which we covered in March, basically speaking about yeah. Azure Application Gateway Firewall, Azure Sentinel, mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. all the components that actually just make up the entire DMZ topic for the yeah, customers. Okay. Cool. So Great. Show us some. Yeah. Show us the. <laughs> The power. Absolutely. So I think we everyone already did a quite a very good introduction on the Sentinel. 
which is supposed to be a kind of a next topic somewhere in the future. No, that's that's a weak topic, you know, for everyone. Security is weak. <laughs> I'm high availability and Holger, it's integration and Robert is everything a bit. Everything else. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if this compliment or what about it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we will see how it works. All right, guys, so let me know when you see the presentation. Yep, we can see it, yeah. Okay, very good. Yeah, we already did our introduction, so I will just skip this slide and uh, go straight to the topic. So just uh, to set the stage, I would like briefly to explain uh, what DNS is, why it is so important for the cross-computer uh, cross system communication and interconnectivity. So DNS or domain name system, so in a nutshell, is a phone book of internet, just to explain it in simple words. It translates human readable names like Microsoft.com, Facebook, Google, whatever, whatever services people consume to machine used network addresses which are which are standing for ip addresses it also creates a foundation for all cross system communication and security basis basics because a lot of security elements are based on the dns names based on the domains uh, based on their uh, for instance certificates are issued for, based on the domain names and so on and so forth uh, so let me quickly show uh, how it works and uh, um, yeah, so for instance, in this simple example, so we have a, uh, a person who uses a laptop and he would and he or she would like to kind of uh, open a Microsoft.com page. So what the web browser will do, what an operating system will do, so it to send a request to a domain name system or domain name servers to resolve Microsoft.com to an IP address. And if a particular DNS server has already uh, this uh, Microsoft.com entry in their table, so it will it will send the, the response back uh, to the laptop, and um, actually, a person will be able to reach out via networking, so to a, to a particular website. So this is a very high level and simple simplified approach. So there is many more uh, going deeper <laughs> deeper under the hood this process, but this is just explains what it is, and uh, uh, you can imagine that. Um, we all know that uh, internet works on based on DNS, and uh, this is one of the essentials, uh, essential services on internet. And uh, we also all know so what happens when DNS infrastructure doesn't work. So last uh, couple of uh, last couple of weeks, uh, we have seen a, a Facebook outage together with Instagram and uh, WhatsApp going down due to the networking related issues uh, coming together with BGP and DNS when BGP disadvertised all the DNS servers and as a, as a result people from their application mobile applications from their laptops web servers they just were not able to get their IP address of the Facebook right. so therefore it, it was not reachable and when we are speaking about the scale of internet so it's just massive so how many DNS requests uh, flow uh, Every every single minute uh, around the globe, so that is just uh, just millions and billions, and this sets the importance of DNS uh, not only for internet but for any cross system communication. Uh, speaking uh, speaking about uh, Azure, uh, so we can think of Azure DNS in two dimensions. The first one is Azure Public DNS, and the second is Azure Private DNS. So Azure Public DNS uh, manages records and <clears throat> provides name resolution for internet-facing domains like Microsoft.com, Google, Facebook, or Tesla, whatsoever. 
And uh, if I'm not mistaken, so this is the only one service which runs with a 100% Tesla. Mm -hmm. Correct. So, and um, how it is achieved? So just to just to explain it briefly, so that uh, uh, all the DNS servers for Azure DNS, so they are spread around the globe, and uh, it leverages more than 61 Azure regions uh, globally, world worldwide, and all the entries from those regions are replicated. And in case of there is an outage in one region, so that means nothing. So because there is still <coughs> 60 plus regions uh, from Azure we can, which can serve DNS records for public uh, addressable domains. And uh, yeah, so this is a cool thing. And unless the whole globe goes down, so the SLA would be 100%. Uh, and the second, uh, and the second uh, dimension is Azure private DNS. So this is where we focused uh, on our uh, together with Everance white paper, because Azure private DNS and uh, is much more relevant for SAP deployments. And uh, most of the customers who run their SAP estates, they they prefer to run it in their premises with a closed with a closed environment, with the security in place, with their private networking infrastructure. And for the private networking infrastructure, Azure private DNS plays an essential role. <laughs> A uh, couple of things. Yeah, guys, yeah, feel free to add. Uh, yeah, yeah. So basically, when you say Azure DNS, it's a cloud service. So I mean, before I, I, I start to work with a cloud, DNS would be okay. It's a role on a Windows or Linux, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and you need to manage it. You know, you need to uh, enable it. You need to manage the operating system. You need to manage those kind of stuff, reboot it, and you have to think about the high availability of those kind of services inside of the operating system. Azure DNS is a cloud service, meaning there is no management. Managed service. It's yeah, yeah. It's a it's a managed service. In managed, fact, it's yeah. a, pl a platform as a service for Azure Public DNS exactly, yeah. and for Azure Private DNS. So there is still a capability. So I will I will talk about it a little bit later. So to manage your own DNS infrastructure. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, when we when we are talking about public DNS, it's a pure uh, cloud-based service. And uh, for private DNS, there is a capability to manage your own DNS service. Right. Yeah, so this is the, this is the topic what we described in our white paper. So with much more details and focused on SAP scenarios on SAP deployments, and uh, yeah. Now further on the slides, uh, we would like to go through Azure Private DNS and a couple of scenarios. So uh, what Azure Private DNS does? So it lives within the virtual network. So in a in a, in a such because DNS is a networking service. So the, it lives in, with the simple words, it lives within the Azure virtual network and it has uh, uh, three different options to choose which to go for. So the first one is Azure provided DNS. The second one is Azure DNS private zones, which is uh, platform as a service as well. And uh, the third option uh, is custom DNS. And with this custom DNS, so there is a capability to deploy your own uh, DNS infrastructure or connect uh, virtual networks, Great. yeah, with your existing uh, already infrastructure, DNS infrastructure. So on-premise, you mean? From on-premise or, premise or, or from, or from. If you replicate DNS in cloud, then right. you connect yeah. to that. Yeah, yeah, you can connect to the cloud, or even you can use a third-party uh, providers like Cloudflare, for for instance. So that's yeah. uh, that that's a full flexibility. And, and also one thing to note is that um, this actually just comes a lot. Customers are asking about 
private DNS zone. So when they say zone, they're looking at proximity, they're looking at an area, region, if it is like a global, if it is like regional. So basically, when I get that question, I explain it simply. So private DNS zone is used for the name resolution, actually, inside mm -hmm. the virtual network by way of translating the service names to the their IP addresses via mm -hmm. air records, like mm -hmm. air records. Mm -hmm. Basically, the setup.sh bash script mm -hmm. automatically mm -hmm. creates the A record in the private DNS zone for the applications. Also mm -hmm. for other Azure services as well, like web apps, I will say app service environment, and also Azure application gateway. It is very important because the importance is actually what exactly it covers, right? If it is global, if it is like regional, it is absolutely not regional. Basically, mm -hmm. it is global. Therefore, when you're linking the private DNS zones to corresponding VNets in both regions, we need to have the hub VNets if you're mm -hmm. centralizing the DNS zones. Basically, mm -hmm. the hub VNet is going to be for the centralization for the DNS zones. Basically, some customers, they don't necessarily see this detail. They go into the solutioning with the partner or you know, with Microsoft or any cloud provider that they, they're working. And then after that, they come back to the zone topic. So it is very important to know that it is global, not regional. So you need to centralize it with the, the hub mm -hmm. uh, so that like you can, you can have the benefits of the Azure DNS zone, which is going to make sense so that you can, you can, you can go ahead and just build and scale automatically and then you know um, efficiently or seamless um, growth you can actually just do using the the private DNS zones. Okay. Yeah. So I think we already started speaking about the details about all the three options and this is what I wanted to do within the next three slides. So just quickly go a little deeper within the three options for Azure private DNS. And it starts with the Azure provided DNS so it's it's very simple. It's uh, it's deployed out of the box at every single virtual virtual network. Mm -hmm. So it automatically creates and deletes DNS records with a suffix which is uh, which is being added uh, by by Microsoft Azure. So and this suffix uh, is internal.cloudapp.net. So and uh, there is no way that the customers uh, Microsoft customers can control this one or make any interference or change manually A records or create any other records with this Azure provided DNS. It's uh, simple like uh, it exists always. It's provided by default out of the box. There is no way to control it, no way to um, to actually customize, uh, customize it, to no way to manage it. So it's still there. So it uh, and it works as um, um, within every single VNet, there is a mm -hmm. DNS servers uh, DNS server being deployed, so which has an IP address of uh, 168.63. Blah blah blah. So which is Azure provided DNS server, and it's not routable. It's uh, accessible only from a particular VNet. Mm -hmm. So therefore, if uh, a customer creates a second VNet, so then another set of DNS uh, servers will be created at the another VNet. So and they, they will be not kind of uh, interconnected between them, even with the VNet peering. So mm -hmm. uh, 
uh, the customers can take advantage uh, of using uh, this Azure provided DNS uh, out of the box. So by deploying SAP uh, for using uh, SAP cloud application library, for instance, because it's just there. So customers can uh, still uh, leverage hum hum human readable uh, domain names for virtual machines, or even with Azure provided DNS. So there is a capability mm. to, uh, to connect uh, virtual machines within a single VNet by mm. using host names. So host names and uh, FQDNs with the prefix uh, provided by Microsoft. So the, on this diagram, it's explained how it works. So that's quite simple. A request comes to the Azure provided DNS, so then a response, then connectivity established. So quite a, yeah, out of the and, box. And also one, one thing to add, we are also given flexibility to customers. Basically, Azure provided DNS versus customer wants to, some customers, they want to use their uh, DNS uh, appliance on Azure. So mm -hmm. they say, um, what is the recommendation? Because when a customer really needs to resolve the internal DNS, their internal DNS in Azure, in the Azure tenant, so then they're asking us some recommendations because we know they actually intend to use their DNS um, appliance. And then mm -hmm. there is the flexibility there. So then we recommend these customers breach their on-premises DNS space with third-party like DDI solutions, mm -hmm. um, Infoblocks, BlueCat, if they if they have any of those things. So then they can they can bring their DNS appliance into the Azure Virtual Network instead of forwarding the traffic. And some customers, they say, you know, I would like to just, you know, use Azure native solutions. How can I achieve that? I don't want to bring my uh, appliance and then mm -hmm. they don't want to deal with that. They want to have true pass service. Then they say, what is a recommendation? So we we then say that they can go ahead and just resolve the on-premises DNS namespace, namespace that they created, leveraging Azure DNS private zones, which we mentioned, and then forward the traffic to on-premises servers for the resolving names, which are hosted on-premises. This mm -hmm. is also treated as forced tunneling for the DNS. Why it is important? Now the customer can go ahead and just resolve this on-premises. Basically, it is going to hit the on-premises for the compliance, for security, for the networking team. They can set assured, yeah, the traffic is going to come back and then it is going to be resolved on-premises. So there's an option that Microsoft provides. So it's not like customer has to have the Azure documented solutions, which are on our documents, <laughs> we provide them with quite a bit of insight into how to actually just leverage their DNS appliance or use the, the forwarding um, uh, leveraging Azure native solutions. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. Okay. I think Aaron, you already touched upon on Azure private, on Azure DNS private zones. So, mm -hmm. and here it is, explains a little bit more details what it is. And uh, honestly, so uh, this can be explained as our platform as a service solution for DNS uh, provided by Microsoft to bring customers their own domains and manage their entire DNS uh, structure, both mm -hmm. automatically and manually. So what it means so that the customer can bring their own domain like contoso.com to Azure mm -hmm. DNS private zone and all the entries and all the virtual networks, which which could be registered uh, to this private zone, will be creating uh, all the entries, DNS entries within this private zone automatically. 
So mm -hmm. this is a very nice feature, so which uh, allows customers while creating virtual machines just create a um, uh, a host name, and then the FQDN will be automatically registered with the private zone, and uh, mm -hmm. the, this FQDN will be assigned to this particular virtual machine or okay. network mm -hmm. ne network interface. And one of the beauties here as well, so that uh, all of these DNS entries can be manually entered, altered. Or um, or changed or deleted or created, so mm -hmm. you can you can create one one or more DNS names. You can create aliases. You can create mx mx uh, actually entries. You can create reverse DNS entries um, or even txt for domain delegation or subdomain delegation or for mm -hmm. the for the proof of uh, ownership. So one so, question. What if I if I'm a customer and I have a, I have on premise or a DNS and I'm migrating my landscape in, in Azure, and of course I want to create the Azure DNS private zone. Is there any way that I replicate my records from my existing DNS on, on premise directly to Azure DNS private zone, or I need to create everything manually? So there is a capability actually to upload a CSV file if I'm okay. not mistaken. Okay. Yeah, okay. to the uh, to the Azure DNS private zone. Mm -hmm. uh, so you just simply extract because you know so that DNS in an essence it's quite simple. Yeah. It's only it's only it's only a match of name and the IP address. So that's so to say entries. key value pairs. <laughs> yeah, key value pairs indeed. So and uh, you can create you you can actually ex export your current DNS uh, entries and import it into the private zones. Okay, so nice. that works. But perfectly. that would means. It's not. There is no. Is there a sync, or you have to? If there any, if there is any change mm -hmm. in the records, the new record. There's no. There's no replication. Service there's like no replica, when you are, no. when you are, have two DNS in replicate scenario, but you can uh, you can define the forwarder. So you can say okay, if yeah. you cannot find here, you go forward. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so actually, uh, you see here on the uh, bullet uh, bullet point three, so that mm -hmm. conditional forwarding and zone transferring are not supported yet. So yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, Goran, Goran, what you were mentioning, so this replication, it's actually zone uh, zone transferring. Mm -hmm. So Azure private uh, private zone doesn't support it right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, in regards of uh, in the light of the deployments and uh, recommendations, uh, when to use it, uh, when and uh, how to use private zones. So it's uh, very much usable with a private link, with a private uh, uh, endpoints uh, of other Microsoft services. And mm -hmm. also, uh, when customer thinks about a target or uh, future implementation uh, as a cloud native application. Oh, that's so. interesting. Yeah, so yeah. basically any kind of those additional paths stuff, we need a private link to access internally some uh, SAP services via the host name with some name. Basically, that could be um, Resolution mm -hmm. could be done in this way. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So you, yeah. You, you you can use the same DNS private zone for any kind of SAP related VNets and also for the services which SAP is going to be integrated. So this is the okay. beauty of that. Okay. And also one one scenario I would like to mention. This is something that is not necessarily documented on Azure, but this is what I discovered. Like we know that there are private endpoints that customers can actually just create. So. When a client is creating the private endpoint through Azure portal, mm -hmm. we are actually recommending it when we are working with the customers. When we see that they are creating the private endpoint, and then 
if they're asking me, then I'll say, go ahead and just create yourself a private, private, um, private DNS zone. So then the question becomes, why would I actually just, you know, need to have that? Because doing this will ensure that all the VMs on the subnet are visible. It, it, is, it, is, it is just going to be mapped to access yeah. to this private endpoint. There mm. you go. You actually just achieved yeah. something. You actually just use the, the subnetting, which is absolutely needed for multi-segmentation right there through the private endpoint. So what happens is that I told the customer, are you trying to, or are you ever going to be using file sync, Azure file sync? Mm -hmm. So how are you just going to make sure that during the file sync, the traffic is not going to be interrupted? So mm -hmm. then it actually, when I was, when I was asking this question to my partner's customer, and then they say they're going to be doing the file sync, doing the file moves from an on-premises, and no DNS configuration has been made to forward that request to the Azure private DNS zone. Then there will be no traffic going through the private endpoint. There mm. you go, no bottleneck. Basically, when we use the Azure private, private DNS, it is something that we can use in multiple solutions. It is not necessarily just going to be one you know, solution for the customers. Mm -hmm. They might be looking at private endpoints and they can be doing something totally different like web, web services, for example, anything. Mm -hmm. And then it is just going to help them reduce that DNS trafficking by disrupting it. Basically, no traffic is just going to flow. And then the file sync is going to go ahead and just do the, <laughs> the file transfer. And then nothing is going to be interrupted. All the VMs on the subnet are going to be mapped to that direct private endpoint for the isolation, for mm -hmm. the performance, for no more, you know, of, um, speed bottleneck or traffic bottleneck. It is going to be achieved. So another mm -hmm. good beauty use case on the private private zone. Just wanted what, to add. What that. what is what is SLA on Azure DNS private zone? Do we have it? We have it probably. We must have it. You're on the mute, Constantine. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. So that's a normal behavior. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, we certainly have an SLA on the DNS private zone, but I just cannot recall it from top yeah, of okay. my mind. I, 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 will, I, I will do it in parallel. Don't worry. Just continue. Yeah. So just to, just to complete the capabilities of DNS private zone and uh, to show you a little bit more about the, uh, how the VNets could be assigned or could be registered with the private zones. So they could be registered uh, with, on, with only one private zone for auto registration. So that means that any network uh, service uh, being created within the VNet, so it's being registered and the A entry is being created within their uh, private DNS zone. But uh, also, question: mm -hmm. What would happen if you have a private zones deploy and then after this you deploy some service Azure service? It will create. Oh, no, sorry, sorry. Uh, uh, other way around. You uh, you deploy it as a VM, and mm -hmm. after you do a DNS enable DNS private zone, will those VMs be mm -hmm. also um, kind of automatically or somehow registered in the DNS private zone after the? Uh, yeah, Goran, very good question. As far as I remember, so there is no kind of uh, uh, retrofit in this process. So all new instances after their uh, private zone registration uh, cre creation, so all, all new instances will be automatically registered, so entries will be created. 
but they're um, the previously existing ones. So <clears throat> I believe they have to be registered manually. Okay. So you have a full flexibility to the private zone and uh, you need to kind of go and... And, uh, and also if the customer uses a PIPA, which is the automatic private IP addressing, they will be able to set the BGP IP addresses for the virtual network gateway. So it is automatically just going to be added. Nothing is going to be done, you know, from on top of that, like recreation, anything or editing and registering it. Yeah. Okay. So what I what I what I wanted to mention that uh, um, a virtual network so could be only linked to registration to one private zone for this uh, um, a a entries auto creation, but also this uh, particular virtual network so could be uh, assigned to the different private zones for name resolution. So that means that uh, all the entries which are uh, and all the entities which are being which are created so within this private network uh, will be auto-registered for one zone, but those services will be able to resolve uh, actually domain names to IP addresses from other private zones, which which they're linked for a resolution. <clears throat> so and this diagram explains it quite well. So that's for instance this virtual network creating uh, all the entries within these private zones, but if a virtual machine would like to resolve for an IP address from, uh, for instance, from this virtual network. So it can also go here to this private zone and uh, get a resolution services from right. this private zone, from another domain. And, and also speaking of the VNets, this is something that I would like to also highlight. So customers have the options to have standard size VNets and subnets that they can use, basically largest uh, slash 24, medium 26, and then small is 28. So it is good to actually just note here that um, Azure is always going to reserve five IP addresses for each subnet customers are allocating. So the smaller subnets, they create the more IPs they're going to be wasting. So basically, if they don't want to waste that, they have to actually just make sure they're doing the planning accordingly. They can reach out to us. We can definitely just guide them through. So basically, when a client is creating the VNet, with like disjoint address spaces and then divide them into you know multiple subnets it's um uh, every subnet then is going to have their like you know for own one address space for example like let's say if i have a vnet with the ip address 10.144.102.0/24 and then let's say that 103. Uh, <coughs> slash 24 then i can have subnet which is going to be slash 28 which means that i'm going to have 102.028 the subnet 2 is going to be 103.16 mm -hmm. slash 28 okay. basically if they know that like azure it, azure azure microsoft owns the network we're going to reserve those five ip addresses so mm -hmm. if the customer is going to be creating the smaller subnets then it is going to create, they're going to be creating more IPs and then it is really just going to be waste. Basically, yeah. they need to actually just be very mindful of that fact. Um, mm -hmm. And also for the VNet address spaces, once we create it, let's say that they want to expand it. Yes, they can. They need to shrink it. They mm -hmm. can't. So then they need to open a support ticket, then we can help them. But then some best practices. So what I am actually recommending for the 
when they go to Azure documents, networking, IP, and then IP address allocation, what Azure does, what we recommend, what, what IP addresses Azure uses, so they can actually just go and just allocate accordingly. Because once they're creating the VNet address space, they're going to carving out all those subnets accordingly. Then we're going to be talking about all those like multi-segmentation, which is very important. Again, that is just going to be for the isolation and everything. So Azure DNS, the topic that we are covering here that over the private zones is the management service, no need to deploy DNS servers. Yes, everything is just like we are giving the customers all these turnkey solutions, but in the same time, some there's some details that they need to be aware of. So mm -hmm. they can they can then use like the, the example I give, I gave uh, at the onset, then they can actually just deploy their, you know, DNS appliance or they can use Azure forwarding. So then they have the options. But once they secure the address space allocation, they can be more liberal in Azure going forward, though so they don't need to create any support tickets. Cool. Mm -hmm. Just want okay. to add that. Uh, yeah, very good. So just in a nutshell to recap about private zones. So private zones allows uh, actually to bring a custom domain like on Tosa.com. It allows to make and create automatic the entries for all the network resources. It allows to resolve for uh, names across different VNets. And um, yeah, it allows to have a full control and governance over the entries and uh, all the kind of manual inter interference. So in their auto created entries. So that's that's the beauty of that. Uh, conditional forwarding and zone transferring cannot support it yet. So I've seen that uh, they are kind of uh, uh, in their in the backlog of the future development, but it's not yet implemented. And uh, well, so the last and uh, but not least, uh, actually, option with the Azure Private DNS, so it's Azure Custom DNS, and uh, this is quite simple. So it's uh, this is uh, the most flexible uh, solution what our customers can bring. So and uh, when features and function functions given by Azure Provided DNS or Azure Private Zones, so cannot fulfill customer requirements. Uh, for a little more complex DNS scenarios and architecture, integration with on-premise, integration with uh, existing uh, DNS infrastructure, so for uh, more comprehensive hybrid scenarios, for enhanced uh, security capabilities like DNSSEC. Uh, so then uh, most of the customers and uh, most of the enterprise customers use and actually tend to go to Azure Custom DNS. So what it is, so Azure Custom DNS, so it's just a configuration entry, so within every VNet where our customers can put the IP addresses of the uh, DNS, of the DNS servers, which are responsible for uh, name resolution and uh, all their virtual machines and NICs and all the services which are deployed in the, uh, in the VMs, in, in the VNets uh, uh, within, within Azure. So we'll get the settings so that in case of uh, name resolution, so please go to this IP address for the DNS service. Uh, yes, yeah, so on the right-hand side, you see one of the examples. So when uh, when SAP, just a high-level overview SAP systems deployed in the in the Azure, so and uh, um, a customer deployed a DNS cluster, custom DNS cluster within the same mm -hmm. VNet, or it could be within a hub VNet for hubbard spoken uh, uh, architecture pattern. So, and um, with this custom uh, cu custom DNS, uh, the customers uh, can actually reuse of their existing DNS infrastructure. 
for instance, um, uh, from their existing lending zone, if it's uh, if it's running already in Azure, or from their existing uh, bind or uh, Active Directory domain services on premise, or even cloud-based cloud DNS, like I mentioned before, Cloudflare. So this is all flexible, all, all customized, and uh, there is nothing for VNet configuration rather than just pointing to an IP address of the DNS mm -hmm. server. And if just uh, uh, an L3 connectivity should 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 exist from particular VNet to be uh, to reach out to the DNS servers, and uh, that's that's mainly it. So this used for most of the comp complex and hybrid scenarios. And also, before we go further, I would like to also just advertise one networking solutions. Uh, we have Azure Firewall, the topic that we covered before. So basically, Azure Firewall, as we know, is a cloud <clears throat> service and then is an offering which is allowing our customers to centrally govern and log all the application and the network traffic flows. So now here's a new feature, which is actually the custom DNS. This is this just came to uh, preview, it actually is allowing any customer to configure the Azure firewall to use their own DNS server while they provide that separation between their on-premises and service name resolution. This wasn't available before, so now it has been integrated. And also what has been announced is DNS uh, proxy. It is allowing all the outbound DNS, DNS queries to be processed by Azure Firewall now. So it means that it is going to now initiate a new DNS resolution query to a custom DNS server or Azure DNS. So now they have an option. They can <coughs> even just do the resolution query either on the custom DNS, DNS server or Azure DNS. So this is very important as we are when we are talking about FQDN filtering in a network rule, it is very important to have this feature. Basically, now customers can go ahead and just do this resolution either way. It used to be one way, but now it is either way. They can do it custom DNS server and Azure DNS. The importance of the custom DNS server is that because it is their own rules that they actually own. Basically, it is allowing these customers the option to configure the Azure Firewall, which is a past service, so that they can use their own DNS server, and then they achieve the separation between their um, environment and then the service name resolution, which is something that actually was uh, demanded. Now it is available, and also I wanted to add this as um, Azure DNS, custom DNS, this is also integrated into the Azure Firewall right now, cool. which is uh, a past service. Yeah. So one question is in similar direction because you know as as Gordon mentioned in the beginning your DNS is just one service or a service on on Windows in this when we are talking about Azure Active Directory domain services for example. Um, so when when can I can I if you know if I deploy that server I will ju just replicate what I have from Active Directory on on premise I just want to install virtual machine on 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 Azure and replicate actually have a sync between these two servers. So can I this DNS part replace with, with Azure private uh, zone or can I use Azure Active Directory domain services with this Azure private zone or I need always to have custom DNS in that scenario? So in this scenario, uh, Robert, so as uh, 
DNS private zone, as I mentioned, so it doesn't support replication or zone transferring. Right uh, yeah, now. yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah, therefore, okay. you you would need to from the from the virtual network perspective. So you would need to use yeah, a yeah. custom DNS. But this yep. custom DNS could also be Azure Active Directory domain service. So you can actually yep. just uh, tie this all together and yep. make everything from uh, from the cloud and even having domain services as a pass solution, so to say. Okay, all right. Thank you. No problems. Uh, okay, Jen, so let's just uh, quickly have a look on the few examples and the scenarios, what we mentioned within the white paper, and just uh, make it a little bit more re relevant for SAP. <laughs> we are here to speak about SAP, and uh, we really went uh, deeper into the networking and uh, DNS here. So let's just quickly have a look on a few examples. And the scenario number one, which we explained, so is um, uh, how to make kind of a quick, uh, uh, quick start using uh, Microsoft Cloud and uh, uh, solutions like SAP Cloud Application Library to deploy uh, very fast within a couple of hours so your SAP environment. So this uh, this doesn't necessarily mean so that you would need to have uh, all of the landing zone deployed, so all the kind of uh, DNS infrastructure integrated. So this uh, comes uh, out of the box. And with this out-of-the-box solution, so uh, it leverages uh, Azure provided DNS by uh, by default. But then, once you created this landscape uh, from Cal, for instance, uh, then you can link it to Azure Private Zone. So, and mm -hmm. then you can kind of extend it and uh, make more usable for your um, for your environments. So, uh, this is a very good fit for this kind of uh, quick, uh, quick and fast deployments. Uh, and for solutions like um, sandbox, a training system, or any kind of tem temporary SAP environments. Uh, speaking about Azure private zones, so this uh, this could be, as I said, extended on top of the Azure provided DNS and after the creation. So and uh, uh, also Azure private DNS uh, private uh, pri private zones. So suits very well for uh, also greenfield implementation and brownfield implementation with a holistic cloud-native approach deployment. So with a, with a strategy when the customer is planning to move and migrate as much as, uh, um, as, much as possible uh, solutions into the cloud to make the interconnectivity, interconnectivity and integration between the cloud services within the cloud. So then it makes sense to simplify your operation efforts just to decommission this kind of legacy DNS, DNS maintenance operations and so on. So for so and just use DNS private zones uh, for all the resources uh, for private uh, endpoints and also for creating links to um, uh, public uh, public services via uh, <coughs> via exposing uh, uh, private private endpoints. So, Evren, do you want to add something here? Yeah, you actually just covered everything, so I don't have anything on the slide. Very good. <clears throat> yeah, so let's just quickly go through the second scenario. Second scenario is uh, <laughs> one of one of their uh, most interesting things. So, where our enterprise customers. Uh, leverage uh, our reference architecture, which is called, uh, from the network perspective, which is called Hub and Spoke. So, mm -hmm. and uh, on the on, on the middle of the slide uh, <clears throat> here, you see the Hub VNet, which actually serves uh, as a kind of a, a central connectivity option for any integration uh, with their, any external world. Would it be uh, on-premise connectivity by having uh, Express Route or VPN or yep. 
any any other connections or this could be also going to to the internet and here within this uh, hub vnet as everyone mentioned so this uh, this is a central and very crucial part for the it security as well so these are uh, normally our customers would like to would like to deploy here services like azure ddos to protect again uh, uh, DDoS, uh, uh, DDoS attacks. So then Azure Firewall with all of its um, latest and greatest features, even including uh, private DNS uh, proxy. So Azure, Azure Application Gateway uh, also could be uh, a gateway into the external world. So uh, to, to internet by exposing some endpoints from SAP systems. Uh, so for integrating with some multi-cloud uh, connectivity and uh, any um, direct access uh, from end users to the SAP systems, for instance. And with this uh, hub and spoke environment, uh, normally uh, customers, uh, SAP customers segregate uh, uh, different workloads uh, by, by their nature. So by pr uh, having production in a separate VNet, so then quality assurance, development, training system. So that all depends on a particular customer scenario, on a particular customer requirements and security uh, and security aspects. But anyway, so uh, with uh, a leveraging hub with hub and spoke architecture and uh, custom DNS uh, and having, uh, for instance, an enterprise customer who just who is just starting a journey for migrating their SAP workloads and non-SAP workloads into the cloud. So there is a great opportunity to leverage custom DNS and integrate those VNets. Would, would it be spokes uh, uh, having SAP systems and non-SAP systems by uh, pointing out to the same existing DNS infrastructure and just start from there? Uh, in the future, when uh, when customers uh, make more and more native uh, native cloud applications or migrating even more uh, into their Azure cloud, so they can, for instance, replace their on-premise DNS with their uh, uh, private manager with private zones or with a custom uh, with a custom DNS, for instance, deploying here um, Azure Active Directory domain services. So that's all the flexibility here. And uh, we are seeing uh, a lot of customers leveraging this hub and spoke architecture, connecting and segregating SAP into separate VNets and uh, leveraging on-premise DNS infrastructure still then. And I would say probably what I see, it's also on a customer side, something very typical to see at least today for the, mm -hmm. for the productive enterprise load, so to say, right? Yeah, so that was one of their points, what uh, we yeah. wanted to mention in the white paper, just to highlight so where our customers stand right now. And, and also one thing that I would like to add is you might remember that this was one of the slides that something I used uh, in the previous session. It was something like this. So then the question then becomes like customers are asking, of course, that they have the right to ask how they can you know achieve end-to-end -end encryption in network encryption. So this actually has been coming. So I just want to cover since we have this slide. So basically, um, what Microsoft does by using Azure Firewall and then Azure Application Gateway and also DDoS, we are covering the, the brute force attacks in layer four, and then we are covering also HTTP, HTTPS traffic. But some customers, because of their compliance, they're asking us, what is the way, the networking level that we can do the double encryption or very tight encryption? So then what we are 
what, what I'm telling this customer is that they're going to need to have two gateways is they will need to set up site-to-site VPN over express route. So now it is available on Azure. Basically, customers can do IPsec over express route, but mm-hmm. we have to distinguish the difference between the VPN gateway and express route connectivity. So now the question becomes, if I have VPN gateway and then site-to-site connectivity, why do I need to have express route connectivity? So then the short answer to that will be then, it is the underlay network, express route is, while site-to-site is the overlay network. Basically, they're gonna need to advertise different prefixes over express route and VPN. Otherwise, the traffic is always going to bypass the VPN tunnel, and then the unencrypted traffic will flow over the express route circuit. It is just going to be undermining the importance of site-to-site over express route, which means, it's very like rule of thumb that I just say, when a customer is asking, all you need to do is that you need to advertise the slash 32 or any predefined subnet, which will belong to the VPN appliance on your network that is going to be terminating the IPsec tunnel over express route and advertise your local network over VPN gateway. So that with this express route is going to learn of that host IP address. And then they're gonna also need to know that from the Microsoft perspective, they will receive that full VNet address space and any peered VNet with gateway transit is going to be enabled over both express route and VPN. So mm-hmm. basically what customer is covering with this scenario, which I actually just said, is end-to-end encryption. Mm-hmm. If a client is having any kind of like, you know, concerns around moving to Azure and then the traffic is unencrypted, it is absolutely covered by Azure, by Microsoft, by just doing the site-to-site over express route. Then the inside, inside the hub, which we see, Azure Bastion, Azure Firewall, Azure Application Gateway, and then Azure DDoS is actually complementing the overall the DMZ, actually, DMZ, mm-hmm. Cloud DMZ, which is the mm-hmm. logical two or three layer. But now the importance of this, which I would like to highlight, Azure Firewall and Azure Application Gateway, as you see that they're side by side. Some customers, they might want to find out the source IP address. And if they have Azure Application Gateway only, they won't be able to get the source IP address. But if they have Azure Firewall, using the route tables in between, they are going to be able to verify the source IP address. This is going to be covering one of the compliance requirements of, I will say, 80-85% of customers. So the importance of this is that when a client's traffic is hitting the hub, it is the central point for their (coughs) centralization for all the DNS, DNS, and all the traffic inside the Azure backbone. So then the question becomes, how is then the traffic going to be encrypted? So then there's going to be the TLS. It's going to be another, of course, topic to actually just discuss about. But when Constantine came up with the slide, I couldn't even just believe he read my mind. Because how are we going to be now covering, complementing the overall DNS topic with Azure network rules and tools? It is going to make sense. This mm-hmm. is the slide. If anybody has any questions, they can reach out to us. Azure is safe, is secure. And then, but we cannot say it is going to be 100% secure. We need to use tools to actually just make it secure, like immutable um, storage, for example, for the backups. So Mm -hmm. 
you, you can actually just like, you know, have multi-user authorization. You can actually have multiple components on top. So now this slide shows how we are doing the routing, how we are actually just providing layer three, four, layer seven protection, and how we are providing customers with brute force attack protection by using DDoS standard, which provides 45 terabit of protection with the SLA guarantee. And now one thing that I would like to highlight about the importance of Azure on this, when there is DDoS attacks, customer is not going to pay for any egress charges, which means it's going to be response time. It is just going to traffic going back. The going back or leaving Azure backbone, egress charge is not going to be customer needs to worry about. They're not going to pay for it. Azure is just going to credit back to their account automatically. They don't need to do anything. Cool. Just wanted to add yeah. this because this is a very important slide. Yeah, it's security okay. is always overlapping there with the exactly of course yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah. Actually, as we are speaking about DNS, so and uh, this is just one of the uh, one of the network services. So in the, it uh, it plays an essential role, but all of the other aspects are what we are highlighting, and we are trying to explain it here. Okay, okay let's, let's go to the next one. Okay. Uh, yeah, with this with this scenario, so we wanted to highlight the integration <clears> with <throat> one of the most common services, uh, what SAP provides from from their side, and uh, this could be uh, under umbrella of different names. So this could be an SAP Rise, STE, or Hana Enterprise Cloud. So, and uh, for some of the some of the customers uh, globally use uh, use an opportunity to get a fully managed services provided by SAP, and uh, all of those uh, the services could be deployed on Azure. So, important to mention that uh, uh, you see, I will take my laser laser pointer. You see that SAP will provide uh, fully managed service uh, services from uh, Azure subscription, which which SAP owns and from VNets, which SAP owned. So that, um, that, that is important to mention. So that uh, mm -hmm. uh, the customers, SAP customers or Azure customers, so they don't have any kind of control on the SAP environment and the SAP provided uh, service uh, for SAP applications. Mm -hmm. So when, it, uh, when this picture comes together, so then <clears throat> an ultimate question is how to make the cross-system communication between different services so this question pops up and uh, we we know a little bit uh, about um, sap provided um, networking design and uh, actually sap uses custom dns uh, for their services and they deploy um, a cluster or two dns servers within their infrastructure within every subscription what they provide services from so that means we kind of uh, planning uh, planning our customers' designs or partner or partner solutions. So we need to keep it in mind so that uh, um, and we need to deal with the with the fact that uh, SAP uses custom DNS uh, based on Linux and uh, the standard solution is to provide a DNS zone transfer. So it's a kind of a replication from SAP side, uh, DNS replication from SAP side to somewhere. So and this somewhere in this particular example is going to be a DNS server uh, cluster solution or any kind of solution, uh, also, also custom, which can receive a replication from SAP tenant, from SAP subscription. So, and this is called DNS zone transfer. And uh, with this zone transfer, 
uh, this uh, DNS server, which is deployed in a hub VNet, is capable uh, to make a name resolution for SAP applications provided uh, by RISE, PCE, or CAC. And uh, so there is also a common scenario that complementing RISE solutions or PCE solutions, customers also would like to deploy some non-SAP applications within Azure or even SAP applications, which have to speak to each other uh, with, with SAP. So and they are customers via subscription, right? Which is yeah, so an and SAP yeah. hack. Yeah. yeah, and those are customer subscriptions. So they have a full flexibility, but still they have to deal with, with the fact so that there is uh, a DNS server running here and they have to respect this and um, integrate it somehow. Okay. So then the customers also have full flexibility here and uh, actually having those uh, DNS servers deployed in hub VNet, so uh, our customers can integrate SAP RISE and uh, their own uh, VNets and subscriptions uh, with these DNS servers and having a centralized option uh, for DNS name resolution service sitting within the hub VNet. Uh, also, the customers can extend it by making a replication back to on-premise or make a conditional forwarding depending mm. on depending on certain uh, kind of uh, subdomains or delegated domains to SAP or to another spokes. So there so, is possibility of communication between any parties, whatever they are, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, important to mention that uh, this is only one of the potential uh, design options. So SAP also can support uh, some conditional forward forwarding, which uh, which is not reflected here on this slide. Uh, and uh, but this is our kind of a separate topic to discuss how to make a particular DNS integration solution for a particular customer scenario. Oh, cool. Mm. Excellent. Uh, I think we are on the end. If I'm not if I'm not wrong. Uh, Very good. And I mean, it's 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 interesting, you know. We are we, we are promised to discuss about DNS, but it's it's like always a networking topic, you know. There's so many uh, yeah. services or topics which are correlated, uh, you know, <clears throat> cross exactly. each other and with with each other. That is simply not possible to discuss just isolated about something because you need yeah. to somehow say hey how that's going in respect to le left and right yeah. and so on that's why i'm known to actually have very extended presentations so yeah. i'm so glad constantin actually just took the lead otherwise mm -hmm. as you guys know everything is just so joined it is interconnected one topic mm -hmm. you just end up okay yeah. where was i you just forget about it because you need to just cover basic mm -hmm topics before you speak about the real topic of the presentation yeah but um yeah and 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 what what i have seen many times that that actually if customer is taking so naively uh, let's say this networking topic they will face some some other uh, you know, constraints in Azure. They will not use Azure in a flexible way. They will hit some boundaries, and then actually they will use the Azure like like a modern hosting. That's all, yeah. And exactly. they will have challenges to integrate with other services and so on. So on. It's, I think cool. it's very very good uh, good yeah. that uh, we have a session like this one. Yeah, yeah. Because it's 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 really basic of of. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, for me, it's this hub hack. The third scenario is really uh, eyes opener because when I think, okay. You have one customer and one hack tenant, but there's another 
customer having another hack tenant so which means hosted also parallelly on the hana enterprise cloud so again they have to you need to security to separate them and also internally to integrate them so to say right so yeah cool cool i mean yeah. uh, actually so that was the reason so because we were getting too much questions about how to integrate so this and that uh, partners yeah partner scenario Rich. which is also yeah. deployed on azure but not uh, integrated so how to make the native integration between this and that so yeah. we decided to come up with those examples great guys so super super interesting topic so thank you uh, for for your time and it was as always fun Evren. yeah <laughs> and uh, it is always so, great to see you guys. Yeah. You guys are Indeed. masters in the SAP space, no, technology. We, we, we are, love we you. So we are masters we, of disasters. As always, we will deliver pizza later. You know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> masters of disasters. You know, they're, they're, we could use this name. You okay. know. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Really appreciate it. I learned also some new stuff. I have to admit. You know, so it's really I'm I'm using this also as a learning session for myself or upgrading to a awesome. higher level. <laughs> well, so really appreciate it. it so talk to you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, and hope to to have you soon um, again next time as well. Okay. Bye, bye, guys. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, guys. Bye, bye. Take care. <clears throat> Goodbye.